Last week, we preached a message on how to live knowing He's coming back soon. And today, we're doing part two. So take your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, and let's stand. 2 Peter 3, 14 through 18. And let's stand as we read God's Word. We did verses 11 through 13 last week, beginning in verse 14. It says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. And we dealt with that last week. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Let me ask you this. You ever read Romans? There's some stuff in the book of Romans, justification by faith and a lot of that. There's some tough stuff to, to understand about the law. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. So the letters that Paul wrote, there are some challenges there. And Peter was saying, look, there are some things that are hard to understand there, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures. Just a point here, just you can put that in your... You can mark it down. It's not part of the message uh, per se. But, but notice that Peter right here validates that everything that Paul wrote is actually the Scriptures. So he calls Paul's writing the Scriptures. So that's how we know that that's the Word of God, okay? And he says here, uh, these people do that to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. Thank You that we can pour ourselves into it, we can mine the Scriptures for wisdom, that we can go to Your Word and we have answers for our life. Thank you that we can look at our world and see what's happening around us and know that we are in the end times. But we also have instruction on how to live. And thank you that we are, we've been given direction by you. Help us to live that out. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So I've titled the message again, How to Live Knowing He's Coming Back. How to Live Knowing That He's Coming Back. He's Coming Back Soon. Um, how should we live? And we established the fact last week that there are some people, and there were even people in, in, in the New Testament times when the Word of God was being penned, the Thessalonian believers were, were those who were kind of abandoning everyday life, thinking that Jesus was going to come back at any moment and they were going to go wait for Him. And Paul wrote the letters of First and Second Thessalonians to correct them and to rebuke them and to remind them of what they should be doing and he told them certain things have to take place even though we're living in the end times and so there are people even today that become what i call spiritual preppers and they disregard all the teachings of god's word about how we should be living in light of the fact that jesus is going to come back and they just are wanting him to come back and they're not doing anything with their lives so what should we be doing? So last week we said this, how to live. How to live knowing that He's coming back. We said, number one, we should be excited to live godly lives. We should be the ones 
that when we see God's Word and we read in God's Word some high expectations for you and I as Christians, it shouldn't scare us away, it should excite us because we should have a heart to want to obey our Father. All right. Number two, we said that we must live with a spiritual readiness. I mean, we're not ignorant concerning what's going on in this world. We're not ignorant about the lives that we're living and about the things that are going on all around us. We're not ignorant about about what's happening. And if we get too caught up in all the politics and all the craziness going on in the world, we'll lose our focus and we won't be ready. We have to be spiritually ready in a state of readiness, always ready to share and to give a defense of what we believe in the gospel, always ready to pray with somebody. We need to always be ready to exercise our faith and trust God in uncertain times. Number three, we said that our personal conduct should be different than the world. We shouldn't be odd, but we should be different. And then number four, we said that clean living puts within us or puts us in a position of peace with Jesus within our, with deep within our souls. And we talked long and hard about that. So I want to give you part two, how to live. Number one, we should be obediently witnessing. We should be obediently sharing our faith. Look at what it says here in verse 14. It says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward, since you have an anticipation that Christ is coming back, make every effort to be found spotless. And then in verse 13 it says, And bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Our Lord's patience means salvation. Earlier in chapter 3, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Um, Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the thing we have to understand right here is that there is an inference here to what we should be doing. And it's this. Our God is patient. And that's why he hasn't returned yet. You might see the signs all around you. Go read 2 Timothy chapter 3. Go read it and tell me if we're not living in the last days where men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of this world, haters, um, uh, proud, disobedient to parents. Um, The Bible says it will be always learning in the last days, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Man, we have so much education, you know, that I think we have a generation of educated fools. You know, people have a lot, a lot of knowledge, but they're always learning, but they never come to the truth. And so all of that being said, we have all this going on. It is our responsibility to do the will of God. God's will is that none should perish, and so He's patiently waiting. He's waiting those who hate Him out, that they will turn to His love. He's waiting those who are addicted to turn to the One who can give true life and, you know, a a, a true reason for living. He's waiting patiently for you and me to get passionate about wanting other people to come to know Christ. He's patient, the Bible says here in verse 13. His patience means salvation, meaning that because he's patient and he hasn't returned yet, he wants people to come to know him. And it means that the longer he waits, the more people will turn to him. The more people have an opportunity to turn to Him. And because of that, you and me are to be doing what we're supposed to do. See, God uses us 
God doesn't use angels to preach the gospel. They have ministries. They have a purpose for being. They don't understand what it means to be redeemed. They are created beings for a certain purpose. God doesn't use angels to live out the gospel and preach the gospel. They don't understand it like that. God uses people, ordinary people like you and me. So we have neighbors and we have family members. I'm telling you something. I spent some time this week around the cross and today I was intimately looking at the names and checking them out and I started noticing that a lot of these are spouses of some of our members a lot of these on this board are children of many of us I got one of my kids on here and it wasn't me who put them Um, we've got people all over the place here and I started thinking about that I said man these are the people that we love these are the people that we know these are the people that we care about and that's why jesus hasn't come back yet and so while we're waiting for him to come back we don't just wait and sit on the porch and go just come back lord jesus no we get up and we put feet to our faith and we start walking we start living and as we live everyday life we share the love of jesus and sometimes it's by patiently waiting sometimes it's by loving them sometimes it's by forgiving them even when they've gone against everything that you believe sometimes it's by talking to them and sharing with them and all of that together is a giant spiritual concoction that god uses to bring them to faith in christ and we should be witnessing look at what matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 says matthew 8 uh, 28 then jesus came to them and he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the holy spirit teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age that's our commission we've been commissioned we've been given marching orders those are our marching orders This is what we're to be doing. Well, pastor, with all these things happening, shouldn't shouldn't we just be storing food away? Or shouldn't we just be teaching about the end times and, and gaining more knowledge about that so we can know the signs and see this and maybe even know the day that He's coming? No, no, that's not what the Word of God says. Now, is it wrong to study about prophecy and end time events? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, it's good. But every time I read it, and every time I study about it, you know what it does? It ignites the passion within me to bring more people to Christ. That's what it does. And that's what it should do. We should be obediently witnessing you and me and every one of us. Listen, I don't witness because I'm a pastor. I started witnessing after I got saved. I didn't take a class. No one taught me the four spiritual laws at the time. Now, since I've studied, I've studied every class you can study on witnessing and all of that. And I found out that God doesn't want us to be machines. And I'm not saying that that training is bad. I think it's good. Learn as much as you can. But, but, But 
I'm telling you, it's through the oikos. You know what oikos is? The word oikos is the Greek word for family, friends, circle of influence. It's the oikos factor. It's the people you know that God will use. And you don't have to read a script to them, but you engage them. And they see your lifestyle. And yes, you open up Scripture and at times you show them. And you pray for them to come to know Christ. So that's how we should be living. Boy, I can stay on this all day. But number two, how should we be living? We should be mining. Mining, like digging into the Scripture, searching for God's wisdom. We should be mining the Scriptures. Look at what he says here. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. The wisdom that God gave him. You know, there are some things that, that, that Paul has written that, that you really got to work on. You've got to study. You've got to dig deep to get the full meaning sometimes. And as you do, God begins to, to shed His Holy Spirit or shed His light onto your eyes so that His Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you. We should be mining the Scriptures, meaning this. We should be people of the book. Our lives should be built on what the Word of God teaches. The decisions we make about our lives, finances, friends, where we should go, when we should go, who we should join ourselves to, business decisions, marital decisions, fleshly decisions, what we do with our lives, what we ingest and put into our bodies. We should go to the Scriptures because the Scriptures has the answer. We should mine God's Word. We should, we should dig within God's Word so we could see for our lives what we need because God knows what I need better than I know what I need. Look at what these Proverbs say. It's just, I just picked three of them. There's, probably, there's actually 50. I, 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 I did a search of Proverbs on wisdom. I just put wisdom in my search and there were 50 references to wisdom in the proverbs i got three of them for you here all right proverbs 2 12 says wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men Penny and I last night, we tried to kill a couple of hours before we went to sleep, but we didn't, want, we didn't want to leave the house. So we're like, let's watch a movie. So we, I don't know, Netflix or Hula Hoop or whatever you call it, or Hulu. What is it called? Huli, Huli, Hulu, 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 Hulu. Okay, whatever. But one of those things we kind of found and we we're looking. I was like, you know, I want, a, I want a good-hearted movie. I don't want anything dark. I don't want anything about war. I didn't... Didn't want that before Sunday. So we, we found something, a faith-based movie. I'm not going to tell you what the movie is because I'll tell you, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> it was just a terrible movie. I never could fully get it. But one thing I did get from it, maybe that's why God wanted me to watch it, was a good illustration for today. This young lady had some friends that she was hanging with. Got her put in jail. She got in trouble. She goes home to be with her sick mama on the farm in Mississippi. Her life changes. Then she has to make a decision about those friends. 
Because those friends were leading her down a, a bad path and a bad way. And I thought about this scripture. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. Proverbs 2.16 says this. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. Now, the principle here is that wisdom will save you. I'm just going to say it the best that I know how. It's going to save you from committing sexual sin, be be it a man or a woman. The Bible says that someone who's led astray like that is like an ox going to the slaughter. You willingly go and you don't realize that your, your heart is getting ready to be stabbed. Wisdom will save you from dishonoring your body. Okay? And then 9-11 Notice that, 9-11, Proverbs 9-11. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. We were talking about this today, Miss Carrie and I, and she was actually telling on Brother Bill, yeah, she was telling me that Brother Bill this weekend, was it yesterday, climbed up in his shed or something, was trying to get something, and, and you know, and I was talking, I said, well, you know, Miss Carrie, when you get to a certain age as a man, you start thinking about the consequences. If, if you do this, this could possibly happen. And so those consequences cause you to reevaluate whether or not you're going to do it. But I don't guess Brother Bill's gotten there yet, right? No, I'm just messing with them. But wisdom gives you that. Wisdom says, listen, listen, you've got a decision to make. If you make that decision, there might be a little payoff at the beginning, but there's a steep price to pay. Might be a little adrenaline rush at the beginning that might make you feel good for just a moment, but then you're going to pay for it for a lifetime. See, that's what wisdom teaches And we are to find that by mining the Scriptures, by going into the Word of God. This is God's love letter. God's speaking to you and me every time we open it up and we begin to read God's Word. God's talking to you and to me. Number three, how do we live in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back? We're to be actively living and doing some things. Look at this. We should be on guard lest we fall. Look at verse 17. He says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. We need to be on guard lest we fall. Let me tell you something, y'all. There's all kinds of teachers out there that teach all kinds of garbage. And you and I need to be very careful what they teach. Beware of the preacher. That never calls sin, sin. And tells you that it's okay to live a certain lifestyle. Beware of the man of God who doesn't stand on the Word of God. Beware of the preacher who tells you that that 
not all of the Word of God is true, and you can take the part you like and believe in that, and the part you don't necessarily agree with, it's okay. Beware of that person. Beware of the preacher that's always preaching about damnation and hell and never giving you the grace of the Lord Jesus. Beware of the preacher who tells you that you can't be forgiven and that you've done something far too great for God to forgive you. There's only one sin in the Bible the Bible says that cannot be forgiven, and it's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I'm convinced that no man knows if you've ever committed that. Only God does. Where you attribute God's work to Satan and you reject God. Only God knows if you've committed, if a person's committed that sin. You're never too far away from the love of God. So beware of both extremes. We need to be on guard lest we fall. Be on guard. Satan's out there. He wants to ruin you. He wants to destroy you. Look at what 1 Peter verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says. Be alert and of sober mind. Notice. Be alert and of what? That's why I don't drink. That's why I only take pain medicine when prescribed by a doctor for a very short amount of time to get me from point A to point B. And I'm convinced that God has done something with my body to, to make me reject pain medicine. After a day or two of pain medicine, I'm throwing my guts up. And I, and I, I would rather do anything else in life than throw up. Okay? Well, I can't even take pain medicine very long. You give me half a Tylenol and I'm out for six hours, okay? I can't deal with it. I want a sober mind. I want to be alert because the world we live in requires that or else, or else your prey, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I've seen with my own eyes A lion laying down next to his kill after he's eaten it. And the rib cage of that carcass right next to that lion. And here's what the lion is doing. He's, he's down and he's laying like this and he's under a shade tree with his tongue hanging out panting and he's... And his stomach looks like he ate a beach ball. In Savo National Park in Kenya, I saw it with my own eyes. You see, that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to leave you like an upside-down carcass with your bones sticking out, with nothing left of your life other than being devoured by him. That's what he wants. He wants you when you come to drink at the water, at the pond. He wants you to be nonchalant 
and not thinking that there's something that can destroy you. And he wants you to just go ahead like a deer would come and just drink. And he wants you to just not be on alert and just do that. When you turn around, there he is. No, what is that, what is that alert deer or antelope or whatever do when they come to water? They know that there's something in that water that could eat them called a crocodile. They know that there's lions and cheetahs and all kinds of stuff out there. And so they're careful. And man, they do it. They, they'll come to that water and, you know, they can, they can, they can just stand like that. And their ears, they got ears going every different way. While they're drinking and doing everything. And man, they, they, it's like they can't ever be calm. They just can't. And they know how to bust you. They know how to tell if something's not right. They'll put that head down and that tail will go to wagon. I know a white-tailed deer will do this. And you think, ah, they don't know I'm here. And they'll go down and they'll pick it right up to see if you moved. (laughs) They know how to survive because they're alert. We should be on guard spiritually. And within our hearts, lest we fall. How sad it's been over the years to see people who let their guard down. And they fell from their position that God had given them. What a sad thing to witness and behold. Then finally, finally, number four. We should be growing in our walk and our knowledge of Jesus. Listen to this, growing. Verse 18, it's a command. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow. What should we be doing while waiting for Jesus? Sitting on the porch spiritually with our feet kicked up and just singing and just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, no, 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 no. We should be actively growing. We should be stretching our spiritual muscles. We should be mining God's Word. We should be on the road to witnessing and doing what He's called us to do. We should be living our lives in such a way that we bring honor and glory to Him and thus we grow. Grow in your walk and in your knowledge. Keep growing, y'all. Keep an open heart and an open mind. Always be willing to learn something. Always. To always be growing. I'm one of those that I love to hear new ideas. I love for somebody to share something in God's Word that maybe I never thought about before in a certain way. And it helps me to grow. You know what I do? See, I, got, I bought me a new Bible a few weeks ago. Well, you did. Uh, just say no. Thank you. Uh, my preaching Bible. You know why? Because I got tired of my old one. You say, what? Well, it was starting to come apart and pages were co- coming loose and all of that. But here's one of the reasons. Every so many years, I change Bibles so I can start all over again. See, my other Bibles, are, they're full of lines. They're written up everywhere. I got notes all over the place. And what happens is I become... Um, 
somewhat passive. What's the word? Complacent. That's the word I'm looking for. Become complacent. Yeah, I know where that's at in the Bible. Yeah, I just, yeah, I got that, all that underlined. I got that, yeah, yeah, that's all good stuff and all that. Well, now, I don't have anything underlined. So now I got to start all over again and learn something new. And let God speak to me afresh and anew in a new way. Maybe that same passage that spoke to me one way, I underlined certain words, but now God is speaking to me today, and now I'm underlining different words and making a point and saying, wow, yeah, this applies to my life. It didn't apply several years ago because I wasn't at a point to receive it or, or I wasn't ready for it or God wasn't ready to give it to me at that time. But now all of a sudden in this passage, I see something that I've never seen before. It's the active Word of God working in my life, and now I can grow. I'm always looking for new ways to grow. Got to be willing to grow. Someone asked me, Pastor, how, how have you been able to stay where you are for 24 years? I said, first of all, I got a bunch of people that look past all my faults. That's the first thing. Maybe you ought to ask them. <laughs> but I believe this really, truly. I believe that a pastor and people can stay together until God calls us home as long as one thing is happening in both of their lives. They're both growing. Growing. Growing spiritually. Growing in new and fresh ways. See, I don't come to church on Sunday and and rely on what happened last week to get me through this week. I don't come to church and think, well, you know, two years ago this happened, and so therefore this is going to happen on this day. I don't live like that. No, today's its own day. Today's a new day. God can do something fresh in somebody's heart. And you know what? Even if I can't see you in my own eyes, God's going to do something in somebody's life today. And that causes me to grow. That causes me to trust Him and to believe that He can do amazing things in people's lives. I'm going to come to church today, and we're going to sing some songs. And in that song, God's going to show me something about myself and about Him that I never saw before. And it's going to encourage me. It's going to convict me. It's going to do whatever God wants it to do in my heart and life. Man, that excites me. What about you? Grow. Growing's fun, y'all. You know why? Because when you grow... You see, you're like a plant. You grow. See, a plant is designed a seed. You put the seed in the ground. You water it. Put a little bit of fertilizer on it. And it gets the right amount of sun, right amount of water, and all of that. And it grows. And, and so when you look at a plant, you know, I, I'm, I'm notorious for doing this. When I used to plant my garden, I would, I would plant it in every day. The first day after I planted a seed, I'd get on the ground. I'd look. No, not up yet. I knew it was going to take a week or so for him to come up, but I'd still, second day, come on, man. I'll put some water, suns on it, you know. And then all of a sudden you get there about the fifth or sixth day, and boy, those peas, man, that, it'll pop up like, yeah! Well, I can't start eating the stuff. Rabbits might want to eat it, and if they try, I eat them. But anyway, no, it's not ready yet. It's a plant. It's got to grow. I put it in the ground, put that seed in the ground so that it would grow and produce something.
And the thing is, we're not annuals. <laughs> we, we are perennials. We're evergreens. You don't just pick the, pluck the growth off of us, the, the fruit off of us, and then we die. No, we keep on going. We keep producing more and more and more fruit that remains. Grow. Growing's fun, guys. I love to grow. Now, I say that. We grow by going through trials, too. And I'm not saying that I welcome every trial and like, oh, I love trials because I can grow from it. But I do know that when you go through tough times, it produces growth in you. You can't always see it at that moment. Roots are going deep. You're getting healthy so you can produce. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you're going through this right now so that with the same comfort with, with which you've been comforted by God, God will use you to bring comfort to someone else in the same situation that you've just come through. That's growth. So, as we conclude this series, back to the basics, the building blocks of living well. That's how you live well. You take the Word of God. We're not so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. We're not just focusing on the return of Christ, and we can't help anybody. But no, we take the Word of God, we mine it for truth, we take it and it applies to our life every day, and we grow. We look forward to His return. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. But if you don't come today, God, then I want to grow today so that I can bring more people to heaven with me. Make my life count for something. How to live knowing He's coming back. That's how I want to live. Live well. Second Peter has been a, a, an awesome study in how to live well. And if we apply God's Word, there are tremendous blessings that God has for you and me. He loves you and me. Listen, listen to what I'm about to tell you. He doesn't love the pastor or preachers more than He loves you. And He hasn't chosen them to use them more than He wants to use you. He called us to an office. He uses us in that biblical office. But we're people too. And He wants to use you just like He uses me. Just like He uses us all. Let Him do that in your heart and life. All right? Let's stand together, everybody. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads as we stand and pray. Father, You have been so good to us. As we think about what today means, what tomorrow means, we know that we have those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, but we are grateful for our Savior who died and rose again, defeated death, hell, and the grave. And that he has a way for us to live well. I don't know how this message has impacted anybody other than myself today. But Father, I pray that our people would be excited about living godly. Be excited about Your Word. Be willing 
to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. God, as we go into this summer, we have an opportunity to to share the gospel with new families who are going to bring their children to Vacation Bible School. We're going to have our own children that are going to hear the gospel story again and again. May it plant a seed within their hearts for the true, the one true living God. Fill us with passion and joy for you. Boy, I never want to have a message without reminding you that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can know Him. I know it's mostly Christians in this building today, but there may be somebody you've never given your heart. Today's the day for you. You've been learning. You've been listening. Maybe you've been coming to church here. You've never given your life to Him. There has to be that moment where you receive the gift of salvation and how you receive it is like this. You just say something like this to God. God, I know I'm a sinner. I want to give my life to you. I believe that you lived, died, and rose again. Be the Lord of my life. Change me from the inside out. I want to be your child. Boy, I'm telling you, if you reached out to God in that way, He heard you, and He transformed you in this moment. He he changed you. He, just like a new birth. Just like conception. You're a new person. You don't even know it yet. I encourage you to follow in believer's baptism. You can come to me in just a moment when we give this invitation and say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm wanting to follow him. I, Whatever I need to do, I'm willing to do it. And we'll kind of share with you how to do that. Church, would you join me at this altar in just a moment praying that we would grow in light of the fact that He's coming back, that we would be a gospel-centered church. We continue to be that. We mine the Word of God for His truth and wisdom. We'd be on guard guarding our hearts and minds from the enemy through Jesus Christ so we can live well. Father, we thank you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is our time of invitation. If God's spoken to you, you do what He says. This is your time to respond, my time to respond.